Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of St. Luke's in Oklahoma City. We are one church with multiple campuses, and under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. Bob Long, we are a family of faith that seeks to share God's love and bring hope to the world. We invite you now to join us for a message of hope. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, it fell to him by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he shall drink no wine nor strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, who stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things come to pass, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they wondered at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he made signs to them and remained dumb. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Throughout the season of Advent, we encounter the message of Christmas. We hear the message of good news in shopping venues, social media posts, and movies. In the story, A Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens used the spirits to collectively share a message of how Ebenezer Scrooge could live a joy-filled, meaningful life. In scripture, angelic messengers spoke to Zechariah, Joseph, Mary, the shepherds, and wise men of good news of a great joy that had come. Listen for the message of joy this Christmas as we proclaim, God bless you, everyone.
This January the 4th, Marsh and I will be celebrating our 49th wedding anniversary. We were married back when I was 19, she was 18. I was the pastor of a little country church in Richards, Texas, right outside of Houston. And I'll never forget our very first Christmas. We wanted to make it special, but we were poor. I mean, I was making $400 a month. We were in school. I mean, we were poor. But we wanted it to be Christmas, and so we had saved some money, and we went out, and we found ourselves a live Christmas tree. We bought it, brought it home, set it up. But then, of course, we didn't have any decorations. And so we decided to go to the dollar store, and there we bought the cheapest lights that we could find to wrap the Christmas tree, and we put them on, and they, they burned for one day, and then they broke. It killed me because that was all we had for that, but we went back the next day, and we bought a second strand of lights and brought them home and put them on, and they burned for a day before they broke. And so Marsh and I discussed it and thought, maybe this year we need to have a dark Christmas tree. But no, we wanted it to be just right, so we went out to a nice store, and we spent real money on some Christmas lights. And we put those on, and they burned the rest of the season, and they would burn into next year. And so at a very young age, we learned an important lesson about buying Christmas lights. And it cost a lot more than we had expected, and that was tough. For months we'd been setting aside money, trying to save it so that we could each have something to go buy the other person a, a Christmas present. Marsha's mother worked at a, a nice store, retail store in, here in Houston. And so we drove to Houston, took a trip to do some shopping, and she went with her mom. And it was a clothing store, and so she went and bought me a couple of nice suit shirts. I had a brown suit, and so she bought some shirts to go with that, and a brown tie, wanting this new little preacher to look as good as he could. I, on the other hand, was thinking about jewelry. I wanted her to buy her some jewelry. And one of the popular things in that day was called Adapearl. And it was the whole idea, you could go out and buy one, two, three, however many pearls you wanted, and slowly build a necklace for somebody and you do it over a period of time. You add a pearl. But I didn't want to just have any old necklace. I wanted it to be really nice. So I went to a local jeweler, an independent jeweler, and said, I want to have a really nice um, pearl necklace, a choker for my wife. Would you be willing to order these pearls? We set a price, a price range of the kind we wanted. I said, I want the best you can get. And and then I'll buy one a month for the next couple of years and put together this pearl necklace. He was willing to do it. He ordered up all of the pearls, and I said, this year for Christmas I can buy two. And so I bought two pearls for a necklace to be able to give to Marsh. I came home, wrapped it up, and put it under the tree. Well, a few days later, we were visiting one night at dinner, and, and I said to Marsha, you know, I've been reading a book it's called Dress for Success. And what they say is that you really need to have white and blue shirts and dark suits and a red tie. That's a power look. You know, we're so poor that right now I think we probably need to shy away from brown in my wardrobe. And we need to stay with whites and blues. She didn't say a word. 
But later she went to a room by herself and there she cried. It was a couple nights later we were talking and I was just saying, you know, I've been looking at jewelry and I just love pearls, don't you? And she said, you know, whenever I look at a pearl necklace, I always think of an older married woman. No, at 18 years old, I'm really not interested in pearls at all. Really. So when we got up on Christmas morning, we opened our Christmas presents around a tree that was still lit now. And we opened these presents that neither one of us wanted. But we smiled and said thank you and we acted so gracious. Our very first Christmas as a married couple did not go as we planned. And yet we did experience such love. And we renew then, it's going to be very important, that we remember this Christmas. Even though it didn't go the way we had planned. It was Zachariah in our scripture lesson this morning who went to the temple with a life that had not gone the way he planned. You need to understand that Zachariah and Elizabeth, they were good people. They were both of the house of Levi. They were the descendants of Aaron. The Bible tells us that they were good people. They followed the law. They did the best they could to be righteous in the way that they lived life. But they never had any children. And in those days, if you were a Jew, your number one responsibility was to help populate the earth. You were supposed to have children, as many as you could. And not to have a child, well, that said that obviously God was upset with you or you had done something wrong, or you were not being honored. There was no social security, so how were you going to be taken care of when you grew older? No, it was a bad thing not to be able to have children. They'd never had a child. But the day came. Zechariah was a part of the priesthood, if you were a descendant of Aaron. But by this time, there were so many. I mean, we're talking the thousands they had broken them into divisions, groups of people, a division, and they would have their turn to come and work at the temple doing special things. And each year they would cast lots and one person would be chosen by the roll of the dice to go in and to burn incense in the temple. Most people would go a lifetime and never get that opportunity. But this year in his older age, the lot fell on Zechariah. And he got to go into the temple to burn the incense. It would be one of, if not the most special day of his life. And that day we know he was praying. And he would be praying about the fact he had never had a child. And I don't think he was praying, asking God for a baby. He knew that couldn't happen at the stage of life they were in. I think he was praying that God would have mercy. That God would love them, forgive them, somehow take care of them. As he looked back on his life that had not gone the way he planned, he was asking for mercy. It's important to take the time to remember especially when life hasn't gone the way you planned. 
This morning, I want to continue on with this sermon series, God Bless Us, Everyone. It is born out of the belief that a baby is born in Bethlehem because God wants to bless us. God wants to bring a word of hope to all of us, a word of acceptance, forgiveness. At Christmas, we understand that God wants to bless us, everyone. There is the hope because of the expression of God's love of a baby born in Bethlehem. And so we want to look this year, and we're trying to go back and also look at Charles Dickens' story, A Christmas Carol, because whether you realize it or not, that story has such a huge impact on the way that you and I celebrate Christmas today that has affected so much people of Europe and of North America and the way that we go about celebrating Christmas, the story that was published back in 1843. And last week we looked at how the story begins with Jacob Marley, who had been a partner of Ebenezer Scrooge and been dead for seven years, showing up one night and saying to Ebenezer, you have gotten lost. Your whole life is about success and wealth. You are missing the meaning of life. You are missing joy. You are missing love. And so I'm going to send to you three spirits the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future. They will all come to visit you tonight and you will have the opportunity to change, to do it different. Well, this week we're looking at the first of those spirits that comes and it is the ghost of Christmas past. Now, we printed these devotionals for you this year and in the devotional is the full text, the full story of A Christmas Carol. So if you are reading through your devotionals, you'll also then find there's a section where you can be reading the story. It's not a long story, but it's very interesting to be able to actually read it and not just watch one of the 27 movies that have been made about this story and read the words of Charles Dickens. If you did, then you will know that when the ghost of Christmas past shows up for Ebenezer Scrooge, he has a light emanating from his head. And it's supposed to be symbolic that it's the light that helps you to see. Ebenezer wants to be in the dark. He talks about how much he loves the dark. He likes the dark because he doesn't want to have to look at the past. And this ghost shows up and it's emanating light. There will finally be a time when Ebenezer will wrestle with the ghost to pull down, it says, an extinguisher cap. It's like a, a, a bell to be able to put out a candle, to put out, extinguish the light. I don't want to see the light. I don't want to have to look at the past. Have you ever felt like you wanted your past in the dark? That you don't want to have to look at it? The joy, the sadness, the good times, the hard times when life did not work out the way you planned? The ghost takes Ebenezer to his past and he will see. He sees a boy in a schoolhouse where he is so alone, been ostracized. The kids don't want to play with him, picked on, bullied. 
He sees when he has begun to read and he loves reading and all these characters come that he loves and he remembers the great joy from reading. He is taken to the time when his younger sister Fran comes and she says, Daddy said you can come home now and she wants her brother to come home and it feels so good to be loved by his little sister. And then there's the time when he is with an intern with Fezziwig, a man who runs a counting house, and it comes to Christmas Eve and he shuts it down and they start to have a party and a dance and a banquet and he remembers how much joy he had there with his friends as a young man and his boss, his family. And then there's Belle, the girl he loves and she loves him, but she sees how he now only loves money it's about success, work. And she said, you have changed and I don't want to be married to you. And she leaves him and it breaks his heart. He sees how the years have gone by and he looks back and remembers when his partner, Jacob Marley, is dying and he is at work, alone. He's not with Jacob. He's not with anyone. He's at work alone. Belle is married and at home with her family. He is alone. And Ebenezer just grieves and says to this spirit of the past, don't show me anymore. I don't want to see anymore. And yet I believe that it's only when you and I are willing to remember our past that the grace of God can set us free for a new future. Zechariah came into the temple and was grieving his past and he came in to pray and the angel Gabriel showed up with a message he never expected. I believe it's a message that you and I could hear this Christmas. Three thoughts. First, Ebenezer is there in the temple and he's praying and as I said, I think he's asking for mercy. He feels he must have done something wrong. God must be angry with him when the angel shows up and the angel says, don't be afraid. The Lord has heard your prayer. There's no condemnation. There is no anger or punishment or guilt or shame. Don't be afraid. The Lord has heard your prayer. What a gift. If you thought you could go to God this Christmas remembering your past and you would hear, don't be afraid. The Lord has heard your prayer. When Charles Dickens was coming up with a name for his main character, he did come up with this name, Ebenezer, which was a great name. It wasn't just by random, it has meaning. The name Ebenezer. The name Ebenezer actually goes back to the Bible in 1 Samuel. It really was just used in the Bible for several thousand years until it wound up being in the, uh, the 1600s and the Puritans began using the name Ebenezer. And in the 1700s, they started naming their houses of worship. 
Ebenezer Chapel. And they began naming their children Ebenezer. And the name really caught on. And so the name Ebenezer became more and more popular till about the 1850s is when it peaked. If you remember Christmas Carol coming out in 1843, at that point the popularity of Ebenezer began to wane. In fact, I saw a study that said recently, how many people in America do you think were named Ebenezer in one year? Fifty. Fifty people out of the entire population in America, all the new babies being born, got named Ebenezer. Not a popular name anymore for, I think, many reasons. Which is kind of sad because if you go back to 1 Samuel and read the story, you read how it is the Philistines that are coming and attacking Israel and laying havoc to their country. And Samuel raises up an army of Israel and prays to God because they're outnumbered. And yet the people of Israel rout the Philistines. And it's Samuel who then sets up a stone and says, here I'm going to raise my Ebenezer. And the word Ebenezer means stone of help. You're supposed to look at the stone and remember that it is here that God helped us. Against all odds and against all struggles, God helped us. I want you to go back and to remember this is your Ebenezer. You look at the stone and remember God helped. He chose Ebenezer because he wanted him to see God helps. And you can deal with the past and be a person of hope for the future. I came across a great story of a, of a lady named Polly Jenkins. Polly Jenkins had just graduated college. She was 23 years old. And she was excited about getting out on her own and starting her life. Moved to Chicago and got a job and got her own apartment and got her life going. She soon learned that her next door neighbor was a lady named Ms. Wright. But Ms. Wright was just an unhappy lady. I mean, she complained about everything. She was always frustrated and negative and complaining. And Polly found she was just better off if she could avoid her. But when it came to that Christmas, Polly was a part of a local church. And the preacher kept saying, you know, this year we really need to love the unlovely. We need to love those who are hard. We need to reach out and be God's hand loving in the world. And Polly thought, I need to try to love Ms. Wright. By a strange set of circumstances, she learned that in two weeks it was Ms. Wright's birthday. So she made a decision early on in the season, I'm going to bake her a birthday cake. But you know, then Christmas gets so busy and there's so many demands and things to do. And as she got closer and closer, she started really thinking and wrestling with herself. I need to bake her a birthday cake. She won't like it. I don't need to do that. I need to do this birthday cake because it's the right thing to do. She's going to slam the door in my face. Have you ever had those times where you're going back and forth? Yes, no, yes, no. She just started struggling with this and finally she thought, I'm going to do it and do it now. She made up the birthday cake and thought, i got to take it at this moment before I back out. She went over and knocked on the door. Ms. Wright opened and she said, happy birthday. Ms. Wright was stunned. Stunned. I mean, speechless. Until finally she found her voice and a very kind voice. She said, well, Polly, 
Won't you please come in? She went into the apartment and she said it was so lovely, decorated very well, lots of Christmas decorations up, all these pictures of her family. She came in and set the cake down on a counter and thought, what do we say now? But seeing the pictures of family, she walked over to look at one of them and she could see obviously her husband, young, dashing man, two children, a little boy and girl. And she said, tell me about your family. And Ms. Wright kind of lit up and she started talking about this picture and then this story and they went on a vacation and here are the kids. And she just started talking about her family as they looked at all these pictures. And you could just tell everything seemed to feel better. And they just started to kind of relax. And they'd been talking for a good while, looking at different pictures. When they came to a picture and they stopped and then Ms. Wright took a breath and said, it was a number of years ago, I wanted to take a short trip. Nobody else wanted to go. But I insisted. And so we went. And we were in a car wreck. And everyone was killed except me. I still feel so guilty. And I miss them so much. And she just started to sob. And Polly said instinctively she just went over and hugged her and she too began to sob. And as she's holding on to Ms. Wright and crying, she's thinking, I understand her actions. And she thought of something the preacher had also said, be kind to everyone for you never know what someone else is going through. And as she stood there sobbing, she also began to pray, Oh God, please use me to help this woman come to know your grace. And that day was the start of a new life for Mrs. Wright and for Polly. It's when you go back and remember that you discover that God's grace is there to set you free, to live a life of love and meaning. Don't be afraid. God has heard your prayer. Secondly, the angel Gabriel said, Elizabeth is going to conceive and bear a son going to call him John. Now there was a lot of things the angels could have said that Zechariah had been happy to hear, but this one stunned him into silence. She's going to have a boy? That would be impossible at our age. And the angel Gabriel would say, with God nothing is impossible. The message that Zechariah received after having lived this life was something he never could have imagined. And I think that's the beauty of God's grace at Christmas, that if you and I will take the time to confront our past, that God will have a message for you that may be something you could never have imagined 
that God would be saying to you. Don't be afraid. The Lord has heard your prayer. And the answer may be something you could never have envisioned. For Ebenezer Scrooge, his sister died. She was young, got married, had a baby, she died. He missed his sister terribly. He was estranged from his family. And then he lost Belle. And then his partner Jacob Marley died. Now Ebenezer Scrooge was someone who could look at his life and think, how could I ever know joy and laughter? But that's the gift of God's grace. Nothing is impossible with God. And if you and I are not afraid to remember our past and to go before God, we'll discover a word of grace and maybe an answer you never could have imagined. And so third, I understand why Zachariah had a hard time believing it. My goodness gracious, Elizabeth is going to have a baby? And because he asked the question, Gabriel then says, you're going to be dead, you're going to be silent, you will not be able to speak until these things come to pass because you did not believe my words. So for the next nine months, Zechariah can't speak. He's spending a whole lot of time in silence. Now I got to tell you, when you read that, you first think, wow, he's being punished. I don't see it as being punished. He gets to spend nine months in silence before he's going to have a baby. I think he's been blessed. At that age to suddenly have a baby in the house. No, you get to enjoy all the silence. But I think the reason that he was silent, I think the reason the angel Gabriel says this, is because he understands that Zechariah needs some time to be hearing God speak. And if you and I will grow still and listen, God will speak. You know, that's why when we're doing the season of Advent, every year we produce an Advent devotional. I'm so strong on this. I hope you have yours. And I hope that you will start or end your day with your devotional time. We've given out Advent wreaths. We have candles. Every morning, Marsh and I get up extra early during Advent so we can sit and we light the Advent candles. And we'll light a fire in the fireplace and we'll look at the ad, our nativity scene on the mantle. We will read. You pray. And you just sit quietly. If you will grow still and listen... God will speak. Don't be afraid, for the Lord has heard your prayer. And the answer may be something you could never imagine if you'll grow still to listen. Right now, Steven Spielberg is turning 75 years old. Steven Spielberg, what an amazing 
life he has lived. What a, what a director. I, I didn't really appreciate it until I started doing a little bit of research on Steven Spielberg. Have you ever thought about all the movies that he created going back to 1975? Jaws. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. 1941. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Poltergeist. E.T. Color Purple. Back to the Future. Schindler's List. Jurassic Park. Amistad. Saving Private Ryan. Those are a few of the highlights. Not all of them by any means. The movies that he has created are just incredible. And right now he has a new movie coming out called The Fablemans. I have not seen it yet, but I will see it called The Fablemans. And the reason I want to see it is it's semi-autobiographical. It's the story of Steven Spielberg's life from the ages of about 7 to 18 when he is a boy growing up. It's an amazing movie from all that I've been able to read and to read what it meant to him. You see, it was during the pandemic that he couldn't go make movies. You couldn't have movie sets. You weren't making movies. And, and he found himself having time to think and then to listen. And the question that came to him was, what story, if you don't tell, are you going to be mad about when your career is done? What story are you going to be mad you didn't tell? And the message that kept coming to him was your childhood. But that seemed very scary. He really took time thinking about it through the pandemic and he finally called a friend, uh, uh, Tony Kushner, and said, would you help me write the script? I need someone who will push and question and help me to remember. And he said, going back to remember my childhood was so very difficult. To go back and to remember. He began to remember when he was just a child. His mom and dad took him to the movie theater and they saw the greatest show on earth. And he came out of there with his mouth wide open saying, the power of a film, a movie. I want to make movies as a child. He literally felt it was his calling. Most people had 8mm cameras for shooting family films. He got one as a young person and he began going around making films. Shooting all kinds of things, setting them up, Boy Scouts, you name it, whatever. He started making films as a kid. And he had such a good time doing it. And he saw the power of making a movie. These short little movies. But he went back and having to remember. They grew up in New Jersey and then to Arizona, then Northern California. He was Jewish. His family was Orthodox Jew. And they didn't do everything. They didn't hold all the laws just so tight. But he was bar mitzvahed. He grew up in the Jewish faith. And his mother would look back on life and say, I made such a mistake. We never lived in a Jewish community. We were always the only Jews in the neighborhood. And so they were so picked on. People would put signs out front, dirty, rotten Jews. 
the kids had to go through so much. Mainly it was in Northern California when he said he experienced so much anti-Semitism. He was bullied, picked on, beat up. And because of that, as he finally got a little older, he began to withdraw from the faith. It was so hard. But he also talked about as he's growing up, he started learning about his parents. And he said, I was 16 years old when I learned that my parents were just people. And I had a hard time forgiving them for that. Do you remember the time that you finally realized your mom and dad weren't perfect, didn't have all the answers, they're just people? He began to see that his parents' marriage was coming apart. He became aware of the struggles. And it was so painful. In the end, he would finally move on to continue to start making some movies and have such incredible success. But as he continued to grow on up, he found himself being drawn back to the temple, back to his faith. And when he made Schindler's List, he spent a lot of time listening to the stories of all the people. And as he listened to their stories, he said it made him so proud to be a Jew. He had become very active back in his faith. So much so that when he and Kate Capshaw got married, she changed from being a Methodist to a Jew. And they decided to raise their children Jewish. And so they've raised them Jewish and they're a part of the family of their faith. And how important those values are to him in the movies that he makes and the stands that he takes his faith matters to him. But going back and making this movie, The Fablemans, and dealing with his past, he said has brought him a greater sense of peace, made him more comfortable with who he is and his faith than ever before in his life. When you and I take time to remember the past, it's where we discover God's grace that sets us free in order to live a life of love and meaning. Don't be afraid. For the Lord has heard your prayer. It's why this Christmas you and I are able to say, we know God will bless us everyone. It's in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let each of us lift up our own silent prayer.
Amen. You've been listening to the sermon podcast of St. Luke's United Methodist Church in Oklahoma City. We are one church with multiple campuses. Learn all about St. Luke's different services and programs on our website, stlukesokc.org. We trust you will experience God's love and hope throughout this week.